Hello friends, it is Alexis Honey with the Gentle Co-Sleeper Podcast and we are here with another episode. Today I'm very, very excited to give you guys this beautiful episode with Jamila from Terra de Mama. She is one woman that I can say that her content has always given me so much motivation and so much validation in my postpartum and my motherhood and with my natural responses to my baby's sleep. When I first interviewed her a couple of years ago, what really resonated me with Jamila was her idea behind sleep regressions and how they don't exist. And when we first talked, there were so many other questions that I had for her. And I'm so happy that I got to do a whole 360 right back on the mic with Jamila, and she covers so much in this episode. Before we talk about what we do, you already know what time it is. I have to tell you a story about something that my sons did this week, and I'm going to tell you about how Ben pulled me out of a very, very hard time in my in my day. I am a full-time student going to school to be a dental hygienist, and I had COVID for the first week of school and I missed seven class periods and it was so overwhelming. I, this is how I started my semester and I was so defeated. It took me two weeks to get back into class and I was so discouraged. So one night Ben was just not sleeping and he was on my lap and I was trying to listen to my sociology and, and do something with my nutrition. And all of a sudden I just burst out into tears and I come to the realization this is the first time my son has seen me just sob, cry. He's sitting on my lap and he's looking into my eyes and he's watching me cry. And he looks, you know, very confident in his concern and just asks, is mommy sad? And I say, yeah, yes, mommy is is sad. Mom is overwhelmed. Mommy has a lot of stuff to do and I'm having a hard time doing them. And he says, is mommy sick? And I'm like, no, no, mommy's not sick. And then he takes my hands and he looks right into my eyes and says, mommy's tired. And he was right. It was like midnight and I was burning the midnight oil. I hadn't slept really well in in weeks and I was just exhausted. And he knew and he told me it's going to be okay. And he put his hands on my cheeks He said, he asked me if I wanted a kiss and I said, yes, he hugged me. He got off my lap and he said, follow me, follow me, mommy. It's time for bed. I'm telling you y'all. And you know what? I had a lot of homework to do and there were deadlines and due dates, but my son was right. I needed rest. I could not get what I needed to get done without rest. So I took my son's hand, my three-year-old's hand, we went upstairs and he cuddled me to sleep. That's what this is all about. This is what life is about, getting through difficult times and having somebody there to reassure you. I got that reassurance from my three-year-old son. The responsiveness that I've shown him in his moments it just really reflected back at me and I was really overwhelmed with joy. So I hope that the stories that I tell you about my sons and kind of the inside of my life of, you know, things happen. I I do lose my shit and I do lose my temper and I get frustrated and I get confused, but I always have faith that I'm leading 
myself and our, my sons in the right direction. So rolling into what this episode about is with Jamila Shawnee Beasley. She is phenomenal. She is the creator of Terra de Mama. And I am telling you, you guys, if you don't follow her, follow her now. In this episode, we cover the myth behind sleep regressions and shifting our perspective to understanding that they're progressions. Really, what happens when we shift that, we understand, and it's easier to get through those times where our babies just don't sleep. And we also cover the importance of, you know, the support of a mother postpartum. She is a birth and postpartum doula. We talk about her roles and what that looks like to be a doula and how she supports and what doula work really does for a mother, as well as the importance of what self-care is and how to do that and what it isn't. So I really, really hope that you enjoy this conversation as much as I did with Jamila. With that, come and join us for this conversation about sleep regressions. Are they fact or is it fabrication? everywhere are being told how to raise their littles because we are creating that infamous rod in our back and suppressing their independence. The Gentle Co-Sleeper podcast is here to myth bust and fact check those societal norms and scare tactics surrounding co-sleeping, bed sharing, and responding to our baby's cries while connecting you with resources, testimony, and experts in the parenting community around the globe promoting safe sleep and secure attachment to our children. I wish to be all-inclusive as I navigate through my own journey of motherhood while trying not to raise assholes or lose my shit. Welcome to The Gentle Co-Sleeper. I am glad you're here. Hello, and I am here today with one of my favorite women on Instagram, Jamila from Terry to Mama. Good morning, Jamila. How are you? Hi, good morning. How are you, Alexis? Oh, I am good. The kids have been out of the house for the last hour and a half. I've been in solitude drinking my hot coffee. It's been so great. Yeah, hey, that sounds so good. I've also been in solitude as well. My son is out of the house with his papa. So I feel like yeah, I'm that. Isn't that like and I don't know what it is about just the still of silence in the house after so the good. buzz of the morning that yeah. really just it, just, Ooh, it, it just hits differently. Right. Yeah, yeah, it hits differently. Right. It gives yeah. what needs to be gave. Okay. Yes, exactly. I feel you. Okay, so before we dive into all of this great topics that we're going to speak of today, why don't you give my listeners a little bit of brief introduction of who you are and what you do and what you're hoping to accomplish being on the show today? Yeah. Hi, well, I'm Jamila, and I am a birth and postpartum doula, but also a sleep specialist. Um, I help mothers and parents through their transition from birth to the fourth trimester. My goal on this podcast is to talk about infant sleep and also the postpartum period. I know all the new moms out there here you know, the postpartum period. And in society, mm-hmm. it's just this three-month time where you're just supposed to stop bleeding and then go back to work. Like wow. postpartum is just so much more than the first. It's so much more than that. Yeah. It's Ex- so much more than just three months. It's pretty much for the rest of our life, we're in the postpartum period and it goes on. And I feel like, yeah, now there's so many more people who are acknowledging that, you know, 
the postpartum period doesn't end at three months and it continues on until, you know, forever, you know? Um, so we're seeing that a lot now. Which is good because people like you and all the other birth doulas and birth workers and mommies just paying homage to the testimony of like, hey, I need more time to heal. Like there yeah. is there is after three months, I am not myself. Like I'm yeah, still yeah. like and especially yeah. when it comes to complications too. Like there's so much more that underneath the belly of postpartum that Society just expects women to handle on their own. And the importance of a doula, I've learned so deeply and just speaking to all different types and following you. And Mm -hmm. I think that us, you know, normalizing the idea of the fact that it's okay if you're not yourself after three months. This three-month marker, I think, gives moms, especially new moms, so much pressure because Mm -hmm. after three months, you don't feel like yourself, then immediately there's something wrong. Yeah, and that's how society like tells women. Like it's like, okay, if you don't feel like yourself in three to six months, then there's something wrong with you. And yeah, there's nothing wrong with you if you don't feel like yourself. I know for me, I'm almost two years postpartum, and I'm starting to feel like more like myself. Um, and this just kind of just goes and show that the three month, you know, postpartum doesn't end at three months, and it just continues on. And it's I love that you ready. said. I love that you said that postpartum is forever. You're postpartum for the rest of your life. After you're a child, the birth of a mother, you're postpartum for the rest of your life. You are continually, as the stages of your life and your children grow, you grow too. And there are aches and pains physically, emotionally, and psychologically that goes along with that as well. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Women, yeah, we're postpartum forever. And you know, when we go through pregnancy, our brain changes, everything changes in our body and shapes us. Um, and we grow, you know, throughout, you know, we, we pretty much, we grow with our children. Um, and yeah, we change, all of us, we change. Right. So that is kind of just, just a foreshadow into our conversation, everybody. I'm going to tell you, she has the the bread and butter when it comes to foresight, like insight and what you know, the first little stages of motherhood as well as beyond. And she even said herself that she's two years into postpartum and she's just now feeling herself. And I literally had that woot woot emoji saying, me too. I had back-to-back babies. I am, you know, 15 months postpartum and I'm just now being able to take care of myself in a way that I, you know, not really used to, but required to. And Um, before we dive into the postpartum and the importance of a healthy minded mama, I really wanted to visit your, you know, philosophy on sleep regressions and Mm -hmm. where does, where does the term come from? Like when someone says sleep regression, what are they talking about? I think they're talking about, you know, the sleep training industry because the sleep training industry, they use the term sleep regression, um, but if you're not part of the sleep industry, uh, sleep training industry, or you don't sleep train your child, you're probably likely not going to know much about uh, sleep regressions. Um, but you're going to lo- know a lot about sleep progressions. Mm-hmm. Um, sleep regressions don't exist because babies do not regress in sleep. Um, sleep is never broken, and it doesn't need to be fixed. What is happening is that when a baby is going through a sleep progression is that they are going through developmental milestones 
And within those milestones, sleep does get disturbed. And as babies, they grow, sleep patterns, they change. Their nap schedules, they, they change as well. Everything changes, and that's why, you know, your baby might have been sleeping so good at three months, and then all of a sudden, the four-month sleep progression hits, and your baby sleep is all over the place. And it's because your baby's sleep is becoming more adult-like, and they're also becoming more aware of their world as well. And just things change as your baby grows. What a simple concept, you know? And I think that you stating that it's progression, that shift in perspective, I think that mothers need to hear because yeah. when you think of regressive, it's negative. It's something that is stepped back. You're taking a step back in your all the work that you're doing and it, it, it causes that pressure to change and to control the way your baby is sleeping. And the narrative that you cannot train a baby to sleep because it is something they naturally do. You can't. They naturally do. Yeah, they've been sleeping since they were in the womb. They, they naturally do that. It's just that their sleep cycles are completely different from our sleep cycles as adults. Um, so we can't train them to sleep because they already know how to sleep. It's right. Just that and- it doesn't match with our reality of or what's you know, how our world is, you know, as adults. Yeah. And moms, listen to that. They already know how to sleep. Okay. Your baby is already set up with all the tools to know the importance of sleep. They are in a brand new world. They are seeing things for the first time at every second of the day. And on top of that, the, the, speed of brain development in between yeah, it's like every like second is like just thousands no i think millions of like brain activities going right? on in their brain yeah right and it's so overstimulating an yeah. infant a child a toddler they're just so naturally overstimulated with the world around them cuz not only do they have to adjust to brand new things every single day but physiologically what's going on in their bodies and in their brains it is it is growing and it is trying right, to make connections yeah. it's so hard it's so hard for them and I can only imagine I know when I cannot sleep and I'm feeling stressed like I, I I won't be able to go to sleep you know or if I do go to sleep I wake up a lot you know and I think right. that's just with our babies you know but they're going through a lot of growth and that's why they do wake up um, a lot at night. Right. And with the development and there is, you know, with the whole regression and, you know, all this intervention with baby sleep, how can we assist our littles in this time of development? What can we do to support our, our babies in these huge milestones that they are, you know, they're going through? Yeah. What you can support, um, is, you know, finding time for them to practice their milestone, their new skill that they're learning. Um, you could also do contact naps, because um, I know a lot of them, when it comes to naps, like their naps can kind of be all over the place, or they have short naps. So you can support the naps with contact naps, or even motion naps. Um, you can also gently, safely, co-sleep, bed share, um, and then 
also just having support as well for you, having your village of support to support you, and also self-care. And I know, Mm -hmm. you know, I know, I know we talk a lot about self-care, especially with moms and parents and all that, but I think self-care is so important and just finding time for yourself to just be yourself and do what you want to do without having to worry about your baby and just getting to know yourself, your new self. Um, Right. Because there was a mother born the day that your child was born. Exactly. yeah. You know, that self-care bit is so important. And there's so many different ways. Like I know I've done so many polls, you know, previously of like people and mothers, what does self-care look like to you? And everyone's like, the shower alone. Well, showering isn't self-care yeah. because you need it. It's basic hy- hygiene. You yeah, know. it's basic you know. hygiene. You need yeah. to shower. Need so to shower. that's that just shows or going to the bathroom alone. Like that's yeah. not self-care. That's just boundaries. Yeah, that's just, yeah, exactly. And I had a client one time, I was just like, even just like sitting at home, staring at a wall for 45 minutes mm-hmm. it could be self-care. Exactly. You know, like you're alone, you're by yourself, you know, you're regrouping your energy and all that. Like even that is self-care. You don't even have to go outside. You don't have to do activities. Just time for yourself to get to know yourself. Right. You can be a vegetable staring at a yeah, wall if you want to. A wall or staring at your, your phone for 45 minutes. Right. That's self-care. Or, the differences know, that's between self-care. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, what is so great about the idea of, I know it's like such a, it kind of is one of those terms that you're like, okay, I get it. I need to take care of myself. And you like one ear out the other. Right. The, but it's the, the, the meat and potatoes and the, the importance of it is really what needs to be focused on. Because if you take mm-hmm. care of yourself, put yourself first, then you will be able to have the patience and the fortitude to be able to support your babies through your exactly. their sleep progressions and yes. through their developmental milestones and being able to be responsive and being able to you know d- give and be there for their demand of your physical space because the physical demand that an infant and a baby needs is so high where the okay. overstimulation as especially mothers feel, especially breastfeeding moms, it mm-hmm. is is so vital. And that's the key. That's the ticket to f- limit that overstimulation is saying, hey, I have boundaries of my own. I need time for myself to regroup, to journal, to write things down, to paint my toenails, soak my feet, take a walk, those kinds of things are self-care and I hate to beat the, you know, it over your head about it, but it is so true, Jamila, when you say it's that, that's how you support you know, your infant, we taking not, care of yourself. Exactly. And we were not meant to parent alone and by ourselves, you know, we had a lot of help, you know, like, like we're not, the way we parent right now is not how we parented back then, you mm-hmm. know? So mothers are taking all this load and then just feeling overwhelmed. And, you know, that's why it's very important to carve out time for yourself to get to know yourself and just to do the things that you want to do. That's like my number one tip when it comes to supporting your baby's sleep and, you know, sleep progressions and all that. It's just finding 
self-care, finding your village and finding support. Right. And what Jamila is talking about when she says back then, she's really paying homage to the biological norm, what we just naturally do with our babies. And when society started to really intervene, that's when things started to change. And a lot of interactions and intrusive ways of doing things really started. So when she says, you know, back in the day or back where we used to, it's not that regression. It's not regressing back to where things are used to be. No, it's what Mm -hmm. we're naturally um, just wired to do, mm-hmm. responding to our children as nature allows us to, and, and what it's made for us to do. We have so much power. Our bodies are wired mm-hmm. to respond to our children with hormones and and you know reactions and touch and all different really cool magical things that you can't you know. I am way beyond my scope. I'm not a medical professional to talk about it, but I know they exist, okay? No, and the best right. way I can you're talk about it is magic. Right about it. Yes, you're completely right about it, though. And that's how our bodies are designed. Our bodies are designed to protect our little ones and to respond to them and to, you know, meet their needs. Um, but in order for us to meet their needs, we do have to also meet our needs and right. we have to fill up our love tank, have that time for ourselves as well. Absolutely. And I really think that just concluding that rolling into um, another one, another thing that I've just learned from you that I loved so much, and Mm -hmm. it's a total rhetorical question just to lead you right into what it is, but can a baby learn to self-settle, Jamila? Can, Can they learn that? So there are babies who are able to put themselves back to sleep without support, but can most babies do that? No, most babies right. cannot do that. And they do need help from their caregivers um, to put them to sleep, especially in between sleep cycles. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's funny because every baby is an individual, right? Mm-hmm. Their personalities different. are different, yeah. their demeanors, the way they look, the way they carry themselves, and the way they view things. They're just like little humans just trying to learn how to live in this world. It's not the the norm, you know, like, wow, your yeah. baby does that. That's really great. That is unbelievable. I'm really happy. Um, the majority of mommies don't feel that way about their babies. They don't feel like they're able to self-settle because- don't feel that way is because of the narrative. And, you know, there's so many books, sleep books out there that don't, they only show one side of babies and that's the easygoing babies, the babies who know how to self-settle um, but they don't show other temperaments and other personalities, you know, because every baby is an individual and they are different. Um, so I think when mothers and parents, they read about these easygoing babies and how they can be put down, drowsy but awake, they're like, well, my baby cannot do that. So what's right. going on with my baby? Is there something wrong? Do they have a sleep problem? And it's like, no, they don't have a sleep problem. It's just those babies who can put themselves back to sleep easily or just it's their temperament it's how they are naturally born um and you know and it doesn't mean that they are not going to have any type of sleep disturbance because a lot of those babies who can put themselves to sleep at six months you know as they grow they do tend to wake up more often so i do feel like a lot of mothers they just they um 
you know, they are viewing these type of babies and then they're, um, what's the word? <laughs> um, like they're viewing, like they can see the baby, like they're like comparing. They're like, okay, yeah, they're, so they're comparing their I see this on Instagram all the time. These sleeping the babies, time. literally my edges are fried. Yeah. I haven't showered in two days and my baby won't sleep. <laughs> like where I are they know. getting these babies? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, I see that all the time, especially on social media. Yeah, I see it all the time. Right. Yeah. Through the, the Instagram and social media lens, the perfect baby that it's really doesn't baby. exist. How do we ex- you know, how do we advertise perfection in, in babies when there is no such thing as a perfect human? And why is that we speak of perfectionism all the time, but for the expectation for our child to be perfect is like overwhelming. Like, like, huh? Really high expectations for a child. Like they have yeah. to come out, sleep through the night. They can't have tantrums. They can't cry. They can't do this. And it's like, that is just so high for a child like that's really high expectations right there yeah right if i were a child and that were happening i said i quit <laughs> two yeah, weeks I in like, i, I need I something too. else <laughs> exactly exactly i would do the same if i was a child right like is can i where do i put my two weeks in because the expectations in yeah, this is so too high, high. <laughs> you know it, it's so high and i think that's why you know as a sleep specialist i'm just really here to you know, lower parents' expectations when it comes to sleep. Like, you know, we no one sleeps through the night, not even us adults. Um, and we all wake up between sleep cycles, you know. Right. Um, and we all have our own associations too. Like yeah. babies that nurse to sleep or need a lullaby or like a certain light color, like that's okay. Sleep associations okay. for infants are all right, just They're as they okay. are for us. They're are all right. They're normal. They're not a bad habit. Nursing, feeding, um, rocking, bouncing, none of those things are bad habits. And if it's working for your family, you can continue to do that. But if it's not working, you can always make gentle changes. Mm-hmm. Assistance, yes. I, I know I see this a lot on social media too, you know, and it's just like, no, it's like for me, I – I have sleep associations. Like I need a, you know, pillow and a nice blanket, mm-hmm. you know, the light dim, some essential oil in order for me to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Those are not bad habits for me. So why should it be a bad habit for your child? You know, because baby business is big business, Jamila. It that's is. why. It, it <laughs> is. I know. It baby is, business is a million dollar industry. Yeah, it's the sleep industry. It's literally. Yeah. All that for a reason. It is a business model to continue to thrive and flourish. And moms literally just want the best for their babies. And yeah. with marketing and a little bit of endorsement, oh, that goes a long way. And I love that you represent your style of sleep support as you want to help give tools as opposed to this is how you do it. Put the baby in the sleep and like, yeah. you know, a model of how to do it. This isn't, you can't do, you know, you can't, you can, you can try. I mean, you know, it yeah, and seems I to be effective in a lot of people's lives, but when you yeah. really hone to what is right for your child and that's not something you want to do, there are sleep specialists out there that aren't going to tell you 
to go against your biological norm. There are people out there like Jamila, and there's so many different resources now, especially if you follow her or you follow me, you will be connected and linked to somebody that has a little more like-minded and, um, you know, prioritizes the things you do in your family. And with your baby and how things are and the support, infant sleep isn't linear. You know, you could finally get your baby to sleep through the night and you're like, oh, I did it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, right before you got used to it, they're up all night again. It's not linear, just like you're not, not you know? Yeah, it is not. It goes all, it goes up and down and around. You know, sleep is not linear, especially in the first couple of years of your child's sleep. You know, right. And think of like infant sleep, like the cha-cha slide or the electric mm-hmm. slide or the Cupid shuffle. Or, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not a line dance, girl. You you got to do the electric slide. That's exactly what sleep is. That's what mine is it's like. So you know, cool. I some days I can sleep all night, all day. And then other nights I'm up, I'm restless. I have things to do. I have things rolling into my head of what I want. You know, my son had a hard time going to sleep last night because we went to the zoo and all he could think about is the robot dinosaurs. Like, like I relate. My son actually had a hard time sleeping last night as well. <laughs> I don't think right. Yeah. And it changes all the time. And I know there's parents out there who are like, well, like what can, like, what if like my child does have like, you know, something wrong with their sleep or, you know, and I always say, you know, you want to make sure like if your child is like sleeping, um, waking up hourly, especially if this has been going on for months and you have tried everything in your being to try to help your child to at least get two to three hour stretches at night, then you definitely want to consult your doctor or even a sleep specialist like myself. This is what we also do is we, you know, we look at sleep very holistically. Mm -hmm. So we don't look at sleep through just a sleep lens. We look at sleep from a family perspective, like everything that's going on in your family life, your baby's life, your baby's development, all of that, we look at it and see what might be causing those hourly night wakings. Right. And some of that actually is medical. Sometimes your baby has reflux or has, you know, your baby has a tongue tie or, you know, mouth ties. There's so many different ways. Yeah. So many different things can disrupt sleep. Yes. Yes. So there are, you know, and I think that is another really important topic to touch, not really topic, but just a thing to touch on that, you know, sometimes there are, you know, factors that are Mm -hmm. going on with your baby um, when it comes to their sleep. But, you know, just like breastfeeding, don't go immediately thinking, oh, there's something wrong with my supply, you know, or there's, Mm -hmm. oh, there's obviously something wrong with, you know, their sleep. No, why don't we just, there's, there's steps to it. You know, you have to. to I always say investigate, you know, for about a week or so, investigate. If you think there's something, you know, there's a problem, you can always, you know, contact your doctor or even a sleep specialist to help you out. Um, but again, with the night wakings, like if your baby's waking up two, every two hours or every three hours, those are all biologically normal. There's nothing wrong with your baby. Um, and they're just biologically supposed to wake up at night. You want them to wake up in those light sleep cycles. They, yeah, it's you don't want your baby it, in a deep sleep cycle them. all night. Yeah, it protects them from, from sleep. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I think we just really – what an amazing way just to encompass, you know, that, that year 
oh, and not even that year, just sleep in general, because I have a three-year-old and we mm-hmm. struggle with sleep. It doesn't end. You know, mm-hmm. it's a struggle exactly. with sleep because they're going through something and you're assisting them. They're exactly. they're going through it just as much as you are. And it doesn't end in infancy. And there, I think it's- a lot of people think so. Like once they think, okay, if my baby turns one years old, like they're going to sleep through the night automatically. Right. And I'm like, no, I, I understand how you see that, you know. They but might, it, it doesn't, but they might not. <laughs> they might, they may not, but, you know, there's no guarantees yeah. when it comes to sleep, you know. Um, and I always tell parents, you know, like it, it, it changes all the time. Your baby sleeps, your, your, your child sleep changes all the time. And it's never a straight line. You know, their sleep patterns are always changing daily. You know, your child can sleep for, have an hour nap one day, and then the next day have a two, three hour nap. Right. And it's all normal, you know? It's, well, and you got to think too, like the, in the more in my morning, I'll be like, you know what, tonight I'm going to get a good night rest. I'm going yeah. to, you know, do these do things. Yeah. <laughs> and then I lay in bed and then I check the time and it's 3 a.m. and I've been scrolling on TikTok all night. Like, oh my That's gosh, me. what happened? I told myself I was going to sleep. <laughs> I didn't like that. Uh, that's me too. Like I'm like, oh man, like I thought I was gonna just pass out at 12 a.m. No, nope. right. I was so I'm tired at 2 p.m. <laughs> Why am I so awake? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I do that too. But I have to tell myself like my sleep needs change. Like I'm not yeah. gonna, you know, sleep like I slept last night. You know, right. and last night I passed out. I was so tired. I had a long day. I passed out and. It's probably probably likely not going to be like that tonight, you know. Right, right. I have no expectations, you know. Yeah, like, I have no expectations you know, for my sleep. Right, exactly. So, wrapping that up, I really, really wanted to touch on the topic on what your content really does for this mama, and I really love your um, your content. You know, more targeted to like postpartum and your interactions with, you know, being a birth worker. And I think that your perspective on the importance of a healthy minded mama is so important. And as a birth and postpartum doula, how do you support a mother? I really want to talk about the importance of doula work because they Mm -hmm. really, really make a huge difference. So how do you as a doula support a mom through birth and postpartum? Yeah, so there's many ways that we can support a mom, especially during the birth and postpartum period. Um, I do think that we do have different roles with being a birth doula and then a postpartum doula. You know, with a birth doula, you're supporting the mom and also a new parent um, during the birth and labor and pregnancy. And then as a postpartum doula, we're supporting the parents um, during the fourth trimester. Um, and, you know, as a postpartum doula, we can run errands, we can, you know, do little housework around the house, we can be, a, you know, a little, we, there's some postpartum doulas who are like nannies, or that they, you know, are night nannies, and they go and support the parents at night, and, you know, um, and then there's also, uh, postpartum doulas who only do virtual consultations like myself and we just are pretty much a hype girl you know we mm-hmm. support the mothers the parents and we talk to them and you know you know and it's just like just like kind of what we're doing we you know we're just chatting with them and they're you know 
there's some people who talk about their birth and birth and all that. And, you know, we're just there to support them. And then, you know, the birth doula, again, they just do, you know, pregnancy and they're the hype girl for birth and all that. And then, you know, during labor, they do like massages that, you know, they do aromatherapy and, you know, we have all these tools to help support them with their labor. So yeah, there's like different roles when it comes to birth and postpartum doula. So technically, like if you really think of what it is, there are the hands that you wish you had, you know, like, gosh, I just wish somebody would just hold my baby right now. I wish somebody would just tell me that I'm doing a good job. I wish that there was somebody here that can just do the dishes. (laughs) Exactly. And that's what, yeah, Yeah, that's what we're, we're here to do is we're here to support moms and new parents through this transition into parenthood. That's what we're here to do. Yeah. And it is such important work because we don't have that. And I don't think that in a lot of, because of what doulas are, a lot of insurances don't even support doula work. And it is so important. It's, and it's it's now a luxury that people have instead of something that they need, like moms need help. They need help. You can't do this alone. It's not a luxury it's help is not a luxury. Help is a need. Like sometimes exactly. you need assistance. And what makes, me, what makes me sad is like when new mothers are literally stuck at home with their new baby for hours, mm-hmm. you know, like, a, you know, their husband has to go back to work, you know, he was only off for two weeks and they, you know, they're literally stuck with a new baby, still bleeding, you know, um, for, for hours without anyone to help or support them. And that's what makes me so sad, you know, just hearing new mothers, their stories and things like that, you know, and again, we're not, we were not meant to, to do this alone. Mothers right, are not but we're to expected to, I feel like we're expected to, it's so unfair. It's so unfair. It, it really is. And I, I, I really wish that we could, all, all of us can afford a postpartum doula or, I agree. you know, or insurance. I write a letter to my insurance company today, like, listen here. <laughs> yeah. And, and they can. And I, you know, I do want to say this to parents, like you actually can get a postpartum doula. There's many postpartum doulas who are students who do need that extra, those extra hours to, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, get their certification. Um, so you actually could um, hire a postpartum doula who is a student who do, who do need that those extra hours to get their certification. Right. Um, and there's also other ways that you can hire a postpartum doula that's not as expensive. You know, you don't know a doula that's going to school and you can't afford it because of insurance and money. You know, what you can do is that, you know, in the 90s and the 80s and the 70s and all that, you couldn't just go to your phone and find support. But guess Mm -hmm. what? Now you can because we live in the world of social media. And if it used properly, it really is what's changing the world, making the connections through social media and finding virtual villages and people that are like-minded. All you have to do is go and you just follow. Follow and Mm -hmm. support and surround yourself with the information that you need to feel supported. Because a lot of moms out here, especially during the pandemic, what are we? We are alone. We have to be. And we, we have many different roles that we have to do, like like mother, chef, maid, right. uh, 
all these different roles that right assistant you you know right you know life coach yeah life coach like you're like sitting here trying to teach life and trying to figure it out at the same time it's like the most backwards thing possible I'm like and then also regulating your emotions so you can regulate your child's emotions and it's like whoa I wasn't taught this right and you're like hold on Hold on, on, you know, yeah. <laughs> Time out. <laughs> Time out. <laughs> right. It's so funny because we really don't, there's so much of that happening and mm-hmm. it's not really ever talked about of just how difficult it is and how isolating motherhood is and just it's in general because there's so always isolating. so much unsolicited advice and there's always just so much information the wrong information given to moms and not the support. I just posted the other day, like we don't need judgment. We need encouragement. We need to be told that we're doing a good job. The only question that should be asked, is the baby safe? Mm -hmm. If the answer is yes, support the mother. mother. What um, (laughs) Jamila posted just a, a week or two ago saying, don't hold the baby, hold the mother. I, yes. Literally, so when you put people husband, want oh to hold the baby, so many people want to come over when a new mom is bleeding, and you know she's just felt like she's been in a car wreck. And they're like, "Well, I'll hold the baby, though. You know, you right. go ahead and do the house chores and do all that." And it's like, "No, don't hold the baby. Hold the mother. Hold the parents. Help them out. Bring right. them dinner. Clean up. You right. know." Like do laundry, you know, just right. she's calling out. you for a reason. Like that was like the the viral, you know, reel that's going on is when someone calls and let me see the baby. I'm calling you because I yeah. want to talk to you. Like, you know, exactly. like it's they just stop asking about the mother after the baby is born. And I think that yeah, like, yeah once the mother the mother gives birth, it's so very like weird and interesting because it's like once the mother, you know, when the mother's pregnant. Everyone's like, oh, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Oh my God, you're glowing. Oh, you look amazing. And then like once the mother gives birth, it's like she's completely forgotten. Like she right. doesn't even exist anymore. And right. And with our hormones, I can speak on a personal experience. When you're going through, you know, this shift in your hormones and adjusting and you're healing and you're trying to figure out this little human, you're anxious, you're dealing with your baby blues. That's mm-hmm. when the people that you know, the, some of the people that supported you look at you and start to judge you and start yeah. to think there's something wrong. And then you go to your doctor and then they want to tell you that you have this and have that, but you're just a mom needing support. And I think that if we turned the tables and stopped judging and stopped telling her that they know better and understanding mm-hmm. she's writing her own book of motherhood, mm-hmm. I think we would see a huge shift in support for postpartum mothers. There's so much support for the mom, you know, and resources that she can have while she's pregnant. But the resources after is just so scarce. Yeah. Like when I became a mom, like there's so many, like, like what you said, there's so many support during like birth and like pregnancy and books about all that and classes about, you know, labor and all that. And it's like, when you be come a mom and give birth there's like none you know right. so like, wait why why aren't we preparing mothers and and parents for the postpartum period like why aren't we planning like we have a birth plan you know parents have a birth plan but why can't we have a postpartum plan to Ooh, I love help that. 
these parents out, you know? Like yeah. I would have I felt like I wouldn't have been so isolated alone and felt so much sadness if I would have planned out my postpartum. Like right. I didn't even listen, know mommies. How to put it. Listen to and, Jamila. If you're pregnant with your first baby or even planning, hearing it now as planning. make a postpartum plan. I love it. that. Yeah. That is such a great nugget. Yes. Absolutely. It. It's very important though. I felt I felt like I spent so much time focusing on my birth, the perfect birth and all of that. I did not focus on the postpartum plan, you know, and yeah. I felt like I went into the postpartum period so confused and just all sorts of emotions that, right. you know, if I was prepared or if I had a plan, I wouldn't probably have felt all those strange emotions. Right. So, yes, postpartum planning is so important. And, you know, you can easily make one um, and, you know, you could just plan it out like your, your meals, you know, who's going to help you with the meal service or you could plan out who's going to help you with the housekeeping are you going to hire a housekeeper who's going to help you with all these other things that you do need help so yeah it's very important i think that's such i think we need like a rubric like i think we need like a list like a checklist because i know that when i pulled up my birth plan it was the bump i i use the I same checklist mm -hmm. it was from the bump i use it it's six pages long and i scribble all over it i use i was adamant about my birth mm -hmm. plan because i i said what i said yeah, but i where that. is the checklist for postpartum <laughs> that's needs to be created so i think that created. that is a it resource really that moms could use it it really does and what made me angry was you know we my partner and i we went to the, um, you know, they had a little pregnancy class to prepare us for birth and labor. But I'm like, dang, like they didn't even talk anything about the postpartum period. It was right. like, okay, like once you give birth, like the hospital hands you your baby and they're like, all right, good luck. And right. Like, well, what am I? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What? <laughs> I'm like, hold on, like, what am I supposed to do with this thing? Like, uh, you know, and they're like, well, just figure it out, you know, just figure it out, you know? Right. Like, Exactly. Um, well, Jamila, I'm going to tell you that this was the talk I needed to have with you. I have been, ever since I started my my gentle co-sleeper, I was just like, hey girl, let's talk. Yeah, because yeah, let's talk. after our episode, I was like, there was just so much more I wanted to speak with her about. I just, yeah. I and completely so like went blank. Too. I was like, oh, I got to have a conversation with her. I need yeah. to talk to her again because she is a light in my life. She has her Aww. content and the, the the work that you do really does make a difference. And especially, and you know, I can speak for myself. You've mm -hmm. always been somebody that the moment I followed you, I felt so empowered and that I was aligned and I was right where I needed to be. So thank you for your work, Jamila. Where can my thank listeners you so find you and yeah. get, you know, a little dose of Tara de Mama? Yeah. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Tara de Mama. And also, I do have a website. It's tolidaymama.com. I have ebooks and, you know, all sorts of things on there. I have a blog as well. And, yeah. Yeah. Go. I'm going to link it. Follow her. Yeah. Love her. Yes. Ask her for she. She is there. She'll answer your questions when she can. You mm -hmm. are phenomenal, Jamila. Thank you Thank so you much so for much. being a guest here on the Gentle Co Sleeper. I am so happy to, you know, make this connection with you and call you 
you know, a friend to yeah. and a mentor. Uh, with that, I'm really looking forward to seeing what you have in store in the future. And everybody listening, thank you for being here with me on the Gentle Co Sleeper, and we will talk to you next time. Bye.